Informed consent, getting to yes, is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision. This is the Informed Consent Getting to Yes podcast, and I'm Marguerite McDonald of Ophthalmic Consultants of Long Island in Oceanside, New York. This edition of the podcast is about the words leading surgeons use to explain the benefits of premium channel IOLs and get their patients to buy in. In other words, to get their patients to say, yes, that's what I want. I have three distinguished guests. First up is Dr. Bill Wiley, Medical Director of Cleveland Eye Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Bill. Great. Thanks for having me, Margaret. I appreciate it. I'm also pleased to be joined by Dr. Brandon Ayers, who is with the Cornea Service at Will's Eye Hospital in Philadelphia and is also a shareholder in Vantage Eye Care, also in Philadelphia. Hi. Nice to see you. Finally, I'm delighted to have Dr. John Burdall. John is a partner in Advanced Thompson Vision in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, as well as being an associate professor of ophthalmology at the University of South Dakota and an adjunct clinical professor at the University of Utah. Thanks, Marguerite. It's great to be here. To give our listeners a little more context about the advice you're all about to give, I'd like to ask each of you to describe your practice. John. Yeah, uh, we've got a, a nice practice in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and we also have uh, you know partners in sites in Alexandria, Minnesota, Fargo, Omaha, and Bozeman. Uh, and we have a surgically oriented practice, a uh, highly co-managed practice, and we focus on trying to deliver the best available technology and uh, do the right thing every time and create a wonderful patient experience. Cataract surgery probably accounts for 70% of the surgery that we do, but we also do a lot of cornea transplants, a lot of glaucoma, and a lot of refractive surgery. Bill? I'm a medical director of the Cleveland Eye Clinic, so uh, I've been running it for the past 18 years. And initially, we're sort of a general ophthalmology practice, but we always had a focus on, you know, cataract surgery. And uh, we also have a sister practice that's called Clear Choice Laser Eye Center, uh, where we provide, um, you know, LASIK and refractive surgery. And traditionally, we had those practices running very separate, where we had a refractive center and a cataract center. But what we've seen over the past 10 to 15 years, we've seen you know, this uh, refractive cataract surgery, which is kind of a merger of those two philosophies and technologies where um, we have the refractive outcomes and the, um, uh, and the cataract result as well. So uh, we've kind of had a, a, a theoretical merger with those uh, two sort of sister practices coming together. And uh, now I focus a lot on what we call refractive surgery that can include traditional refractive surgery, but also you know, cataract refractive surgery with premium. IOLs and uh, technology. And Brandon, your practice? So my practice is a, is a, a little bit unique. Uh, I, I, I advertise myself as a anterior segment surgeon and cornea surgeon, and we have a uh, almost 100% referral practice. And the majority of my referrals come from ophthalmologists, and uh, a small number of our patients come directly from optometrists. So what we're mainly dealing with is more challenging than average cataract surgery, cornea surgery, and we do a lot of reconstructive or, or anterior segment reconstruction. And then we also have a second channel of patients. This is usually coming in from the optometric uh, population who are coming in for more routine cataract surgery. So you have 
been famous for many things and you're an early adopter of all these new technologies. Do you have any idea why the nationwide adoption rate has been slower than expected? You know, we, we talk about this problem over and over again as to, you know, well, how come we aren't using more premium channel IOLs? And it's been an issue ever since their introduction, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I think there's, there's not any single answer, but I'll give you my, my take on it. Um, one is physicians, eye doctors, surgeons, we don't like problems. We like solving problems. And in especially the early generation premium IOLs, especially in the multifocal and presbyopia correcting market, there's always been a, a give and take. You've got very happy patients and you've got a few unhappy patients. And those few unhappy patients are enough to take somebody who doesn't really believe in the technology and make them say, you know what, if they're not all happy, I'm not going to do any. It's, you know, basically, do the physicians have the confidence to achieve the patient expectation. So as soon as a patient is paying more out of pocket, their expectation rises. And I think physicians start to get a little worried. They're like, okay, can I achieve those expectations? You know, I've set them now high with this, you know, educating them that there's a, a premium lens out there. And so raise their expectation. And now it's the jobs in my hands to deliver on that expectation. And so certain things have have sort of um, hindered that, um, allowing physicians to achieve that, uh, that expectation. Uh, I do see that tide changing. We've had, we, we have and are continuing to get newer and newer technology with better and better results. And with that, I do think that we'll see an uptake. I think early technology was maybe challenging. And over the years, we've seen better sort of lens technology. We've seen better diagnostics to allow us to, you know, you know have less, you know, refractive misses. Uh, better diagnostics to determine who's going to be a good fit or not a good fit for uh, for premium lenses. We've got better intraoperative surgical techniques like femtosecond laser or intraoperative aberrometry. Um, and we have better technology afterwards. So for some reason, if patients aren't where they are we, you know, or need to be, we have technology that can get them back online. I do think there is a huge fear of the unhappy patient. What do I do to fix him or her? And if you don't know how to do a PRK or you're uncomfortable with a, an IOL exchange, this can be a real barrier. And I think, you know, it could be they're uncomfortable talking about money or they don't know how to propose it properly to the patient. They're uncomfortable. So how do you do it in your practice? Do you, do you have packages or do you have the patient choose in an a la carte fashion? Sure. Um, so maybe I'll start at the end and move to the beginning. The end of it is we do this all in packages and we try to simplify it as much as possible. So I would say, Marguerite, you've got a cataract. And if we take your cataract out, we can make you see better. The biggest question you're going to have is how do you want to use your eyes afterwards? Would you prefer to wear glasses? Would you prefer to not have to wear glasses much, if at all, for distance? Or would you prefer to not have to wear glasses much at all for distance intermediate and near. And, and that's as simple as it is for the patient. We don't have an a la carte approach where they could choose a femto or not choose a femto or choose aberrometry or not choose aberrometry. We don't charge extra for a LASIK enhancement if it's needed. We don't even charge extra if there's an IOL exchange that's needed. We want the patient to have as simple and clear of a value proposition as they possibly can. 
we've we've changed over the past couple of years how we do things and it, it used to be you know here's your checklist what do you want do you want laser non-laser aberometry no aberometry you know but it just gets to be way too confusing and so we simplify things for the patients and just what do you want do you want your best distance vision do you want to have good vision distance and year i think having the trifocal available now has made things much easier because we used to have the distance distance intermediate and then distance near and there's a lot more discussion but now with the trifocal it's basically you can have your standard lens and you're probably going to need reading glasses or maybe a slight correction. We can give you good distance vision, which would include some kind of astigmatism correction, or you can have distance and near and there we're going to use a trifocal. And in those cases, when we're talking about distance and near, I don't necessarily even bring up astigmatism because it's going to be a given when we choose that implant. So it's basically straightforward distance, distance and near, and the patient can choose. Then I can use whatever tool I feel is necessary to get them to that, that endpoint. And it's made it much simpler for, uh, for patients. We incorporate some um, technology early on that allows us to kind of gauge how the patient's thinking. We use a um, software called Sergio Rhythm that basically runs a patient through a survey. And that survey kind of does a couple of things. Number one, it sparks the patient to think about what kind of options they're looking for. Depending on how they answer that survey, it will send them videos about the different technology. If they're leaning towards a multifocal lens, it'll have a video about that. You know, it gives us basically a sense of the patient's definitely interested in, in doing an upgrade. It, it sends us like a, a green mark next to, the, next to that patient's name. If they're definitely not interested, they're given a red mark. And if they're on the fence, they're like, tell me more about it. They're given a, a, a sort of a, a yellow mark that they're borderline. The green ones are easy, but they definitely want to do uh, uh, some sort of premium upgrade. So we go that way with them. The red ones are also sort of easy because they're sort of set in their mind. They're like, you know, they don't, they don't want it. We say, okay, that's fine. But the ones we spend a lot of energy on are the ones that are on the fence. We tend to focus our energy on education for those patients when they're in the office. So it allows us to kind of you know, be efficient with our time and, and our messaging. Um, with that, we tend to discuss <clears throat> visual outcomes with the patient. So we tend not to focus on the individual technology. And who talks about the out-of-pocket expenses? Is that the coordinator or does the doctor mention that it's not covered by insurance? As far as when it comes down to discussing the, the finances, you know, um, if a patient asks me directly, I'll, I'll go into that and describe, you know, if they say how much it's going to cost, I'm armed with that information. Um, but in general, we have our, uh, our surgery counselors or refractive coordinators discussing the costs at that point. And, then, and at that point, they can break it down into more manageable terms. Let's say they could discuss financing and say, you know, what's important to you? Is it important to kind of pay for this over time? let's say, you know, a certain amount per month, or you're looking to pay up front. Uh, and then that way, you can also kind of manage their expectations and find this sort of financing package that suits their, their goals the best. So I will mention, I get myself in trouble all the time, Marguerite, because what I'll say is, you know, these are the different options. The standard cataract surgery is going to be covered by your insurance. As you choose these upgraded options, a portion of that surgery is going to be out of pocket. And uh, I tell them that and this is actually true, I'm not even sure what those costs are because I really just want to defer that. Any discussion about finances, I transition over to our IOL uh, counselor and our, or our surgical scheduler. 
Um, that way it's out of my hands. The patient can choose what they want. Um, but I do, I do very much try and show the upside of spectacle independence. Because I often will hear, well, I don't mind wearing the reading glasses, but you know, I, I think a lot of patients are really happy, really thrilled when they don't have to wear those reading glasses. So I do try and highlight the, that freedom from spectacles in the majority of situations. And I find uh, that it's helpful to give an example. If somebody says, I don't mind wearing reading glasses, you say, you realize you will not be able to eat. You will not be able to see individual peas or rice on your plate. Yeah, I've had that, I've had that experience where people say, oh, I don't read anyway. I'm like, well, it's not just reading. Eating dinner, it's the dashboard in the car. It's reading your watch or your phone. Yeah, so, um, so when I talk to a patient, almost everybody would like to be free of spectacles. And you know, by the time I talk to them, they've usually heard the pricing. I would say, you know, a certain percent know they want it, 20% know they want it, 40% know they don't, and the remaining 40% is kind of up in the air. And I usually approach it like this. I say, do you want me to help you make your decision? And almost everybody says yes. And I say, okay, I need to ask you a couple of questions. First, would you rather not have to wear glasses? Most people say yes. And I say, okay, then it's really a value question if it's worth the money to you or not. And here's how I would make the decision if it was me. If it just means that there's less money in my bank account, but I can still live life the way I wanna live it and take care of my family and do my trips, then it's a pretty easy decision because every day you're not gonna have to fuss with your glasses and contact lenses as much. If it means that you're not gonna be able to buy a Harley or take a vacation, then you have a value judgment. To make is it more important for you to get that new motorcycle or to not have to fuss with glasses and contacts and that's a that's one that you've got to make if it means that you're not going to be able to you know pay your rent take care of your family put your retirement at risk then it's a decision that doesn't make sense for you and that's how i would make the decision if i were you that's a great way to take them through the comparative value of what makes the most difference in their lives and with that i would like to thank my guests Dr. John Burdall, Dr. Brandon Ayers, and Dr. Bill Wiley, and ask them to join me again in the future for another edition of Informed Consent Getting to Yes. Thanks for listening and stay well. Informed Consent Getting to Yes is editorially independent content supported with advertising by Johnson & Johnson Vision.